Welcome back. Crush a lot podcast. I'm your boy cheese. Let's get right into it. We told you June is going to be really about spotlight, putting a big spotlight on artists that you should really be in tuned with. I put out in Twitter that I had a free opening for a podcast, uh, Opening sometimes things get moved around and I get available and I'm in the mood to just to talk. And uh, someone tagged in and was like, "Yo, let's let's talk." And that makes me excited because it introduced me to an artist that I quite frankly never heard of. But when I went down the rabbit hole of the catalog, not only did I walk away impressed, but I most importantly I wanted more. And that's what I always tell people to go for. Make me want more. Um, so I'm very excited to to bring on the show uh, Wally Clark. Wally Clark, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Man, uh, it's good to have you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Check. Look at that. Um, it looks a little like me, this guy right here. <laughs> As a, for those who check out the video feed, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Man. Interesting. You are, it seems like it, with the projects you have on, on, on Bandcamp and some streaming sites, um, it's a mixture of definitely hip hop influences, but so many influences in the way you do production, your beats, your yeah. style. Can you, where did that style of groove and rock influence and, and just very bass heavy production, where did that? Yeah them from well the rock shit is actually kind of new and that was like i was always like a super soul dude and so i came from i had a soul show for a long time in nashville that's where i'm from and then out of that digging for records and shit i would find stuff that people sampled and then also new stuff and so that's when i started making beats and everything and then just sort of recently i started well, it's been about four years now. I started working on this psychedelic rock record um, where I just had, I was living with these cats, these Southern dudes that I'm going to introduce that they do their own thing, but it's mainly more like Southern type of music. But there were my friends and they were living with me. We were basically just fucking doing a bunch of wild drugs and like making music. So I banged out like, 90% of this album in like a couple days during that span of time. And I was just pulling all sorts of like Brazilian psych records and Russian psych records. And the thing I love about hip hop the most is that like, there's no real genre like that it's attached to. Like as long as it comes out on the other end as being hip hop in essence, you could be sampling from anything. And so that kind of got me into looking towards going towards like more harder type shit. Cause I was like re doing real smooth shit. I was still like all about just like chasing ass and macking and everything. So like most of my production and rhymes and everything were kind of real smooth and everything. And more recently I've been getting into just kind of going a little darker or a little harder. And so I did the, I've been doing the rock stuff, but I mean, like, the first album that I really put out was a doo-wop-inspired theme. Like, I just don't, I think that you can 
choose to do whatever with it and have fun with it. And the biggest issue that I even have with some of the fans that I've had is that a lot of times, even with my limited success, they try to kind of figure out what sort of lane to put me in. And to me, like, this thing is all about having fun and just kind of doing whatever. And because I'm digging through records and shit, like, who knows what I come up with? And I'm not going to, like, say, like, oh, I can't, I can't sample that or I can't do that because it's not in line with what I did before. It's not you know just, what I mean? It's not the sound that they put you in. And I exactly. The first time I hear that where some producers and MCs just want to try different different sounds and different techniques and yeah. just just for as a creative person and just Absolutely. do things and find it's not even something it's not even something that I feel any type of way about. It's just a natural thing. So it's not like I'm sitting there going like, ooh, I need to push myself and do something new. I can't give them the same shit. It's literally the luck of the draw with the fucking records. Like I don't know what I'm gonna find. And when I find it, I go to that. So, like, sometimes I'll just get into a mode and I'll find, like, a whole grip of Spanish records and do some shit like that. You know what I mean? But it's not really, like, a thing, especially when you're sampling, it's not really, like, a thing where I sit as an artist and I go, hmm, what am I feeling? I want to do this, and then I go do it. It's really just how it ever it flows through me and how it comes to me, you know. So like for a while, I was just finding a bunch of rock type shit, and so I was doing that, you know. And then what's your process when when you're going through? Because I collect your collection yeah. is behind you. I have I have to figure out how to do show my collection in the background. Um, how do you go? From a producer's mind, I collect, I'm sure there's collecting, like, I love this record, I own yeah. this record, I love it. But as a producer, you're also out there looking for for records that will introduce new sounds that you can mess around with. But I would imagine it's hard to figure out if this record you're about to buy has anything to work with. Is it, like, kind of blind luck? Do you do you YouTube? Um, do you research first to see if it's possible to see yeah, what I mean, I'll do, I'll do that. And like, you know, I'll sample from, there was a while where there was like some really cool blogs that were just putting out real rare ass records and shit. I'm not opposed to sampling any which way. And as far as like records go, I'm not really chasing like super rare shit. So it's really like a lot of times, you know, record stores will have like a sale where we'll just do like, clean out day where everything's a quarter or something or a dollar or whatever i'll buy 50 of them joints to see what i'm working with i'll do that then i mean really the way that i got started though was i lived in atlanta for a little while and i met this dude on the street uh ralu and i, I put out an instrumental album of his uh that you can check on gummy soul too but i just met him on the street and he saw me with a record turns out his friend was a record dealer in Atlanta that sells to like Diamond D, Ninth Wonder, all these cats. And he goes through and he buys huge collections and finds, he basically goes and finds the hot shit for them and they buy it and he shows them where the hot shit is and then they sample it. Well, he just had 2,000 records that he didn't need 
because they weren't super rare. So that's how I started with my whole collection. As soon as I moved to Atlanta, I just got dunned off of like fucking couple thousand records. So I was just able to sit in my room and like really. I wasn't going to put it out there, but I'll put it out there. Um, I might put a link below. I might. Or I might give you the exclusive. I live in a private house in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rent upstairs, but it's a family house, meaning I know the people. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And they had some unfortunate things. People pass away, whatever. So people are cleaning out the downstairs and basement and stuff. And even though I've been in that house for years, I never knew this one thing about the house. Yeah. They're in, in, in sealed trash bags. There is over 20 crates of vintage records sitting in my house. Yeah. Unopened, just sitting in milk crates with bags around them. And I opened one and they're mm-hmm. in pristine condition. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, the mother load. And that's the thing is you just don't know. That's a, And it's cool about digging shit. You never know how you're going to come up on anything. And you can do it in a lot, a lot of different ways. You can go to these stores that handpick the shit for you, or you could just kind of just come up every now and then. And, you know, and I like the journey of it where I don't know, I don't particularly go out like digging all the time, but like I just sort of fall into some shit. Yeah. And it's kind of a part of like, it's like, this is what I did with what I had, you know what I mean? So like, rather than me being very, like I said, like really being meticulous about like what I want to do with my art and like figuring out where I want to go and going and finding the tools. It's really just sort of like I open myself up to just getting busy. However it comes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let, let's let's travel back in time, though. There was a moment where production and, and writing and all that stuff wasn't a part of your everyday life when hip hop wasn't probably introduced to you. When, would, when did hip hop catch your ears? The moment when you were like, whoa, what is this? I, I never. So for one thing, there that. It, it was basically part of my life, most of my life. But I never thought about being an artist at all for a large part of my life just because of my whiteness, particularly. Because I'm fucking, like, I was graduating high school when Eminem got introduced. And so, like, it never even crossed my mind to be a part of it other than, like, I when I went to college, I was a journalism major. I wanted to write for Elemental Magazine and shit. Like, I wanted to be a hip-hop journalist because I thought that was about where I thought I could be. And then, but as far as, like, my, my introduction to the world of it, like, my friend played me De La Soul Three Feet High and Rising when I was seven. And, like, I started just listening when I was seven. And I was able to, I was in that perfect thing where, like, I graduated in 2000, so, like, I really hit all throughout my teenage years was when all the the classic shit was dropping. So I was able to, like, really experience that. 
And then a second thing that was happening at the same time was Egon, who is uh, Mad Lib's right hand man. He went to Vanderbilt um, University and had a show called 911 Emergency. And that was during the four years of my high school was the four years that he was in college. And he actually, through that show, he played all new, like, he played early rockish shit and stuff like that. And then he brought Mad Lib when he was still in Lupac and Peanut Butter Wolf and 7L Esoteric and, like, all these people to Nashville. And I was a kid. And I snuck in all these shows and shit. And so when I went to college, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And so I had my own hip hop radio show in college. And then what he was able to do is he took that and he spun it into him being like the general manager of Stone's Throw. And so that was sort of like another career path that I thought I could do. Like I went to school for journalism. So I was like, I could write about music and then maybe I could be a part of like the label thing. But I never really thought about being an artist until by the time even that I graduated college in 2005, there was already kind of that opening up of like people like LP and more like white rappers who weren't fucking cornballs that made it so that I started. And, and even then I didn't even think about rapping, even though I was a journalist and I was good with words. I started making beats and then slowly through that I was producing and then it was getting harder and harder. But rappers are a motherfucker to deal with basically. So like I started writing myself and then, um, so the writing has become a big part of what I do now as well as the production. Interesting. Interesting. Like I'm glad you brought up, you know, the, the, the skin tone, the just that is such a. Uh, what it is? It, it is it, unfortunately back then it probably mm-hmm. yeah. a lot more harder than it was. It just not even a thing that I even comprehended. Yeah, but it was you know? there. But it was yeah. there, and even me with my East Coast biases, I'm Brooklyn guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was hard for me to like understand the how big Eminem. Uh, got because I never I never understood it like from musically I I I got it it was interesting yeah good stuff. well he was somebody that I never it's he was never that big of like a hero to me yeah me either like, I didn't get like it. and I think and I dislike what he does very much for the most part you know so like it wasn't even that like I saw him and I was like oh my god I want to be this dude. But he opened the there door. There still years after him doing his thing before I even I even thought about me doing my thing. It was just the fact that like he was there and he was so successful, and then time went by, and then there's other people that I did think were cool. That you know, like like LP and like I don't know, like I listened to Cage a little bit back in the day, like, but I mean. I don't even know. Like, I, I still, it took a while. And even in my early stages, basically when I started, 
I was doing, I was uh, producing for this cat, Curtis Stanley. And when I started Gummy Soul, the, the kind of the thing was that I was going to be like hype man, sort of, uh, I was doing kind of like a drunken Dean Martin hype man thing where he was on stage rapping and I was making cocktails and shit. And I was just like, I was the producer, but I was also just loosening up the crowd and everything. And I never thought of myself for a long time of you, of rapping for years of me even making the music, let alone just listening to it. And then, you know, slowly over time, I'm not a corny, I'm not a white rapper dude. I'm not a fucking, I'm not a, I am completely comfortable in being white. I, you know, I don't deny it or whatever, but it's not a thing that I like, I'm trying to either embrace or dismiss. It's just is what it is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I appreciate your candor. I, th- I think for me, I'm in a good place where I just understand hip hop now that it's, it's universal yeah. for everybody. It's been going on so long that like, it's, it's kind of transgressed some of that. You know what I mean? Like right. it still has its roots and I, and anybody who's worth a shit respects those roots. You know what I mean? But it's, you enough. know, you know, what? yeah. Like, I mean, you have cats like, Danielson, Crime Apple, who is, he's a Latin white dude, but he's a white guy. Colombian white. Yeah. And and just like, I'm a Southern white guy that grew up around black people, but I don't want to be black. I'm just a dude. Like, it's just, it's, it's, there are people in this world that are able to absorb and be around culture without trying to exploit it. Well, participated you know what i mean a hundred percent and i think the polarizing figure in that in that narrative is wasn't i don't think it was necessarily eminem but the one who's really polarizing for at least now is logic logic is very polarizing in that where it's it's weird like is he exploiting it or is he not this is putting skill set Skill set and talent to the side. I'm putting that yeah. to the side. Um, but that he's an interesting one where I don't know what I feel about him, but I know yeah. it's not always in. So it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And, that, and that's the funny thing about him that's, that's interesting too is that he, it's because he gets so embraced by the white crowd. Yeah. Well, that's what. While still sort of having this weird insecurity thing of going, well, I'm not just white. I'm I'm like I'm biracial. Like I'm biracial. Like it's like okay, that's fine. But it's it's somehow he's even though he's being he's biracial, it still feels he's on the white white privilege thing or like just like using. He's still very white in tone or something. I don't know how to. No, I, I, I feel yeah. like, no, I hundred percent. And where it's like, yeah. I, I don't knock his talent or his albums. I don't feel he necessarily released anything that's like duds or anything like that. It's enjoyable no. that I like about it. That's something that I really give a shit about, but you know, it's not something that like, I think is the I worst. Like, I don't, I, I don't own them on vinyl. There's a reason why no. I don't. 
it's just not whatever but it's worth a listen on a weekend but he's one of those where it's like i just i don't i'm not convinced and um and and it's okay some people sure that's cool but i don't think his music is for me anyway uh yeah. and that's i mean it's i mean it's also interesting to note that like even with the the, the biracial thing that he's that has come to be i didn't know that he was biracial for a long time because at first, he was really um, attaching himself to the whole uh, Bob, the Frank Sinatra thing. Yeah, the young Sinatra vibe kind of thing. Yeah, and he was doing that. So, like, I thought he was, like, an Italian dude or something. Or he was, he was, really, he was really going towards the Rat Pack thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah um, and so when all of a sudden he got real defensive about people thinking that he was just a, a white guy and it was just it was just sort of, eh, whatever. the truth of the, matter, the bigger the bigger thing that's interesting is that the buy-in public is majority white the buy-in yeah. absolutely so, so in that way it's a good business model right yeah um the hardcore audience tends to not buy as much and it's interesting we have different audiences now like i'm an old school yeah. OG. i'm almost 40 years old like I was around when the heyday of every everything for the last yeah. pop, but I'm still an active collector and participator. But most people my age kind of faded away from the hip hop scene. Don't really know. And so that money that that audience that used to buy in bulk aren't there no more. They're, yes. they're not buying that. So when you have legacy artists like AZ and people like that who depend on that audience to buy stuff and that audience is not there, then they make questionable decisions. Like I'm going to put some trap beats in my, yeah, exactly. in a new, yeah, and it, gets, it gets very confusing. I mean, I empathize, I, I sympathize, I empathize, I get it. Yeah. But, and then I'm like, okay, I just listened to this new AZ legacy thing and I reviewed it and I tore it a new one. And I'm like, don't waste your time on it. It's totally. Oh, trap is he doing trap shit? It was totally. Yeah, he was. It was. Oh, I got no time for that. And I mean, I, see, but that's the unfortunate thing is that I am a huge AZ fan, and I didn't even check it to know that he did that. And don't don't do it because I wouldn't recommend it. Um, yeah, no, no. Sorry, guys. I wasn't mad. I wasn't. I was just. I was more of like, is this where we are right now? And yeah. it's why is because there's so many great producers from all all over the world, like yeah, that you could have found any one of those cats to be put into the underground scene where you should be. And Absolutely. there's a beautiful underground scene right now. The reemergence of the underground scene is beautiful. Yes. I'm Apple, Daniel Sun, you go, Griselda, you can name a whole bunch. And the yeah. producers are equally Future Wave, Pharma Beats, Camouflage Monk. You could have picked any one of those people and they would have gave you the sound that well, we love and keep The it. unfortunate thing about that that I, that I think is that, I mean, there's definitely a disconnect between the two different people. It's unfortunate because you have these younger cats who grew up looking up to these guys, but there's also a disparity of like the money that was there back in the day. Right. Like if I wanted to fuck with Primo or something, he's still trying to charge 10 grand to me rather than understand that maybe working with somebody who's in the underground scene is a is better is more in line with his brand 
and just beneficial to him for what he's trying to do because he's already the fucking man. It's like rather than just co- like only work with people that can like afford you, maybe go back and start trying to harness talent. And that's something that like is really cool with what Muggs is doing. Okay. Is that it's like he doesn't need to do it, but he's doing it because he wants to be a part and he and he knows that in order for him to stay relevant for what he likes and what he has made created, he's going and he's finding these artists and working with them. And so like unfortunately, if you if I'm a producer and I reach out to AZ, he's he's either going to want me to give him beats for free or if I want verses from him and shit, he's going to cause, it's going to cost way out of my budget. Way out of the budget. And and like, if I was going to do that, like I wouldn't even just want to pay for a feature. I would want to fucking do a whole project with him or just work with him and actually do real shit. He would fucking give me some throwaway verse or whatever and charge me five grand and it wouldn't do anything for me in my career whatsoever. It would just be a, and because the younger cat, because they haven't done a good enough job attaching themselves to what's going on new. So if you see an AZ verse on a project, that's not going to drive you to buying the project anymore. You might check it, but like, it would be much more financially like prudent of me to fucking buy one of these newer cats versus for way, way cheaper than to fuck with one of these old people. And, yeah. and it's unfortunate. I have, I have a crush it out podcast presents a mix tape project that we I've been working on for a year and uh, there's a budget for it, and a lot of the cats who've been on the show, listen, the people we've named have been on the show. Danielson, I've, yeah. hanged, and I've hanged out with A-son. I, I, I've yeah. talked to all of them, um, yeah. and they've all been on the show. They're all friends of the show, and I, don't, I never ask for handouts. But listen, like a, a verse from Crime Apple cost me like 700 Maybe it'll be more now. But yeah. when I got him right before he dropped wet dirt so it was like you know it's that's for me is is what is reasonable and that's like yeah. in my opinion my favorite mc right now you yeah. know that got something cooking for me you know like yeah. so it, it, i hear it and it's an interesting thing i get the money part so i'm not going to dismiss that yeah. but there's also a part of me that is for legacy artists that they need to re-establish their brand with that's kind of what i'm saying is that it has nothing to do with like to me it's short money in there for them. It's short. Because they could be fucking just they could be working with these artists so that they show up to these shows and they're the fucking OGs and continue to fucking have that connection. Um sorry, my girl's texting me a bunch. Oh, it's all good. Um uh and they could, like you said, I mean, like, these legacy dudes rely on going and doing overseas tours and shit. And yeah. they could easily fucking scoop up. I mean, that's something like, 
you know, at least G Rap is did that that joint with Thirty Eight Special, which was dope, amazing, and like, and they could fucking together then use Thirty Eight Special's buzz and G Rap's legacy power, and they could go tour together. You know, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to do shit like that. And these people, and I agree. that's what I've been up. saying. Like, I'm not talking. I'm not. We're not even talking about a mainstream hip hop that has its no. own universe. It no, this is a completely different spectrum. And I'm going to respect that. That's what you want to do. I'm not going to knock it. People on the show already know how I feel about that. We want you to win, but we want you to win longer than one summer. It's always yeah. my. But these legacy artists, we 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 root for them. But at the same time, they need to evolve and get incorporated and really start from ground one and get in. Because one thing I did yeah. learn about these underground cats that are there now, the people we mentioned, yeah. they do have a lot of reverence for hip-hop. Absolutely. These are not people who disrespect hip-hop. They're not dismissing. No. Like, no, 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 no. We want to no, they're not trying to say we're the new cats. Fuck no. y'all. They, they would absolutely, like... Hell yeah. Any one of these artists, including myself, would adore if Raekwon or something came and did a joint with us on our terms, though. Like, not some foofy shit that he wants to do now. Yeah. But, like, on some, like, on that. Come, come on, get on some fucking gritty-ass new style production. And, like... Just style. And, yeah. It's like you don't like and I'm do just, it. I'm just convinced that anything that Farmer Beats does is amazing. The guy just doesn't drop anything that's yeah. done. And well, you know, we got a whole project together. Oh, don't even tell me that because he's all yeah. he's all over the place. That yeah. anybody that no, nah, we just we just did we got ten songs. Me rapping uh, over his beats. Yeah, he's, he's mixing it right now. And Boss Sauce is coming out with Mooch. He did the stuff with Water. He did the, yeah. there's so much stuff. So, nice. so, just so I, everybody. I dropped this joint of uh, Fighting Words last year, and then uh, Flu reached out to me, and yeah. I started. So I got a, I got a project with Flu, and kind of at that same time. So we started working on some. We did a bunch of joints. And then we're basically, we've got like four that he likes. He, he basically decided he didn't like the beats that he did, that he gave me. So we're sort of re-going through it. But like through Flu, I, he was working with Ido, and then I linked up with Ido. I've, I produced a whole project with Ido that's coming out. And I'm, I'm dropping this, up, I guess this is 45. You're first to see this excellent. Woo! Shit. Um, Video yeah. only. Subscribe to the Patreon to see that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but produce a project for Edo was continuing work with Flu, and then Flu was always praising Farmer's shit. And so I checked up on him, and then yeah, listen to that Rome Streets, and which is just. And I just awesome. copied the vinyl finally. I'm happy it didn't sell out. Well, I'm not happy that it didn't sell out, but I'm happy. We're working with him. Yeah, man. You know, this, yeah. I, I have a feeling we're going to have to get you back on because I think. We're, we're already talking a long time. 
No, no, no. It's, it's, there's so much to talk about, and you're so frank that I think that there's a lot there to digest. Crush a lot podcast. If you're new to the show, thank you for checking us out. We we definitely appreciate it. As much as we love that you checked out the show, go check out the artist. Go check out Wally Clark. The links are all below. You don't have to go searching. It's all right there. Um, and I, I highly recommend not only from the production, but from from lyrically and the way it's being delivered. It's it's a interesting and good listening experience. And um, you can tell from the conversation what type of music is being produced there. And I highly recommend it. Um, and go and, and keep your eyes out for Farmer Beats and Eater Whoop. Those are co-signs there right there. Um, so go check those things out. Go check out Wally Clark. Go check it out. Hit the links below. Let him know uh, how's he doing. And this is with hip-hop. Let's keep it positive. And AZ, call Farmer Beats, goddammit. Do that. <laughs>